0: Hello, this is Ammi Aldaseki, editor of the Etcher Observer. Uh, today we're going to be speaking with Randall Peterson, professor of organizational behavior and academic director at the Leadership Institute um, at the London Business School. Today we're going to be talking about quite quitting. Welcome, Randall. It's good to have you here with us. Thank you,
1: Ammi. It's great to be here and I'm looking forward to this. It's a really important topic.
0: So we're going to talk, we're just going to get into it right away. And I wanted to ask you, what are the trends we're looking for globally in terms of employees' continuity in the organization?
1: Well, I mean, one should always be looking at things like official, actual turnover. Um, That has been so for a long time. Turnover is expensive, both in terms of the information and knowledge that walks out the door, but also the cost of replacement. And amount of turnover and quiet quitting are related. The difference primarily being if, if people feel disenfranchised, they're not very happy there, and so on. If they feel like they have a good alternative, they leave. If they don't feel like they have a great or better alternative, they do quiet quitting. Right.
0: Perhaps we could go a little bit of a step and ask, what is quiet quitting?
1: Sure, quiet quitting is I'm staying in the, in my job, doing the minimum necessary, uh, but not really, you know, it's, it's, it's in most jobs. There's a difference between doing the minimum and doing an amazing job. Um, and when people are motivated, engaged, they feel you know supported and respected. They work harder than they need to. And organizations that do that well, with on scale, do better. Right.
0: So in that case, what could be the most important indicator that? This particular employee is actually quite quitting.
1: Yeah, you know, the thing is, they're not going to come right out and tell you because they don't want to be forced out and they don't want to, they they don't feel like they have a great alternative probably. So, some of the kind of more obvious things to look for is they just don't kind of buy into things. They finish stuff kind of to the deadline or maybe slightly late, but nothing that would provoke you know, a kind of serious uh, performance conversation. Um, they tend to isolate from the rest of the team Um, and you know, others may feel like they're having to take on some of that person's work. Now, the less obvious signs are things like they suddenly get very busy, so busy that they can never attend meetings, right? Or last minute things always come up. You know, always pleasant. They don't want to provoke a negative reaction but they never really give to other people. They never really volunteer, and they don't have time for the social chit-chat network because quite frankly, they're not invested. Um, you know, They don't suggest improvements in the workplace. Um, and the, I mean, I think to really look for is the emotion contempt. Um, contempt is the one emotion that a working relationship and quite frankly, a personal relationship really doesn't survive. You know, I can be angry at you, um, I can be frustrated with you, but all of those suggest that there is hope for repair. Contempt is, you're just beneath me, um, or this is beneath me, and that kind of stuff, right, no matter what you say, if they really think they're above that, they're not going to engage and not going to listen. So, I mean, if you're really good at emotions, you might be able to detect some of that, but otherwise look for these, particularly some of these subtle signs where people just don't do things, don't volunteer, you know, um, and are always so busy that they can't really join with the rest of the group.
0: But isn't that a lot of people? Like, isn't that, I don't want to say a common trend, but it's a widespread trend in, across different organizations. Can we say that, actually?
1: Oh, sure. And in fact, the research on employee engagement over the last, you know, 50, you know, 100 years, in some parts of the world, um, all show a very high level of employee disengagement in the workplace. It's a job. It's what I have to do. I'm not really thrilled about it, but it just it is what it is. Um, as opposed to, I want to be here. Uh, I think I'm doing something that matters. I feel respected and valued. Um, and so, yeah, there are lots of people who are. I mean, this has always been a thing. I think it's been post-pandemic. We've really noticed it because it's even bigger and, and people's options dried up in the, in the pandemic. And so they didn't have options. So there was even more of it. And I hope we're starting to push that back again. But this is a long-term problem, not something that just emerged out of nowhere.
0: So, from a managerial perspective, what could be the strategies that leaders can implement to address and mitigate any workplace dysfunctions that could lead to quiet quitting?
1: Yeah, you know, this one's really hard because the thing you have to do is find a way to get real feedback about what people really think. And, you know, asking them, they're not going to tell you because they don't want the hassle. And do they really fully trust you know, that you're not going to, say, use it against you. So you've got to find other ways. This is what anonymous employee engagement surveys are all about. That's why every major organization on the planet, all around the world is using them. Um, But it's also, you know, what are the other mechanisms you have for understanding what people really think? So exit interviews for those who are leaving are really important because probably whatever they express is probably also being expressed internally. Um, maybe they, those people don't have the best alternatives, but they probably feel the same. Um, and things like, um, you know, websites like Glassdoor, what do people actually say about working in this organization? Um, are really informative. And it's really hard when you're the boss to read some of this unfiltered, critical stuff. Um, and say, well, geez, there are all kinds of reasons for that. Well, and there may well be reasons for that. But you really got to try to find ways to address the things that people are responding to um, and why they don't feel engaged with the work.
0: Some of it are actually personal, completely irrelevant to the organization, but perhaps that's how people are or that's how their perspective of life is.
1: Oh, sure. I mean, employee engagement is never 100 percent. Some people are determined to be unhappy and and some people are just unreasonable. So you're always going for if I could get 70, 80, 90% of my people engaged, want to be there, giving their best, like you're way ahead of the crowd, right? So, you know, and that's the hard part, right? You want to defend yourself to the 10% who are unreasonable and they're unreasonable. Um, And so you're going for what really engages, motivates the bulk of the people here, knowing full well that you – that you're never going to fully escape the, the criticism and it's going to hurt a little.
0: In your experience, how does the alignment or actually lack of alignment between an employee's values and the organizational values could impact their likelihood to quite quit?
1: Yeah, values are so important because, um, you know, that, that lack of alignment is one of the key reasons for disengagement, quiet quitting, and so on. You know, if people believe that the organization is doing, trying to do the right thing. Okay, my boss might not be great, but I believe in this organization. That in itself helps to motivate the right kinds of behavior and engagement in what you're doing. Um, and so, you know, if, if that's in place, that's really helpful. If it's not in place, then the only line of defense you have is great leadership and management within the firm. And that's hard to produce 100% of. Right.
0: And, that, and that's that's the case, that's when they actually quite quit or perhaps actually quit.
1: Yeah, you know, the old saying is, you know, people join great organizations and leave specific bad bosses. And that's been a saying for as long as I've been around, um, which is decades now. And it's that's true. I mean, that, that, that has been and has always been true. You might work in a great organization and the shared values really help, but if your boss is really that bad or that demotivational, It's it's really hard to stick around because your day-to-day life isn't very fun. I
0: just want to follow up by asking you, why do companies keep bad bosses, knowing that they can actually drive the workforce out? Yeah,
1: I I mean, it's totally logical, your question. The reality is, of course, no boss is perfect. And people bring a variety of things to the table. And what tends to happen uh, is that a boss will tolerate one kind of difficult to work for a person because that person has a special skill. You know, whenever the client gets angry or upset, they have an ability to kind of grab them and bring them, bring them back in. Uh, whenever we really need to do a push on sales, this is the person who always drives it. Now you should be asking how they drive it and whether the damage is increased, you know, when you look at all the demotivation around you. But what we tend to look at is when I said go, this person made it happen. Now, the way they treated everybody in the process creates, you know, medium and long-term problems, but it saved my bacon, you know, it saved my reputation today. Um, and saving that reputation today gets me to tomorrow. And so we will tolerate people who produce amazing results, who are bad to work with, bad to work for, as long as they're able to continue to intervene in those key moments. And that's what protects them.
0: Right. And in that case, what do you think is the role of the leadership of an organization um, to foster perhaps a work environment that discourages quite quitting for those who are working for tough bosses?
1: 100% agree. And this is where you've got to ask those bigger questions and you've got to be open to um, the idea. And as a boss myself, uh, for many years, The hardest thing I ever did was letting go a couple of people who were great producers, but profoundly difficult people to work with and around. And it's hard because the performance is there on paper. But in fact, you have to take into account the larger cultural damage that gets done. Once you do that, you start to see that their net is not so positive, but you've got to take that broader view Um, and understand how they demotivate other people. Once you do that, then your decision to say to these people, look, you know, um, you're not a great fit for us in this organization right now, Um, you know, makes that possible. But again, you say you have to have that broader perspective in order to make it work in your head.
0: And by this, I would like to end our conversation by asking you this one question that you did tap on a little bit now, but... What could be the consequences for organizations that ignore these con- these red flags in in people? Um, what what is the overall, you know, impact that could happen?
1: Yeah, of course, the overall impact is you know you got a business because somebody else can do this better than you. That's the thing. This is a, in, in in most spheres of life, right? You're in a competitive environment, and if somebody can offer a comparable product, but they can better motivate their people so the customer service is better, so customer loyalty is better over time. It right, won't happen today, but if you don't solve that problem um, over time, you'll be out of business. And um, and I guess the same thing is true even when you're in a sector, you know, like government sector, where people don't have necessarily great alternatives. It disenfranchises people enough that they lack... Kind of confidence in what government services are meant to deliver, and over time, that will erode. Um, you know, even even the reputation of government it takes longer for that, but certainly in the for-profit world, the time horizon is not that long for you to start to really lose out.
0: Randall, well, thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure speaking to you. And are there any final thoughts that you have? In terms of an advice for any organizations that are facing quite quitting at the
1: moment. Oh, sure. One last piece of advice, and that is because this isn't new, it's also not going to go away entirely. This is a kind of you know ongoing thing. One of my favorite sayings about motivation is, um, you know, they say that you know this kind of process of motivating people doesn't last because the motivation wears off. But you know what? bathing doesn't last either but we still do it all the time because it's the, it, it, there's a reason for it so you're going to have to keep thinking about this it's not a kind of fix and move on it's something you have to think about throughout your time in a leadership or management role
0: right Brandor peterson thank you very much for your time it was a pleasure speaking to you today
1: you're welcome pleasure to be here